0: Hospitality and meals all week have been really, really wonderful. Amen. And I know I gained a little bit more. Amen. (laughs) But uh, I'm going to work it off when I get home. Eventually. (laughs) That's how I comfort myself today. Amen. But uh, it's been a privilege uh, preaching with you, Brother Jeff Coat, as I preached with you before. And I enjoy your messages, Brother. Really do. And uh, I praise the Lord for it. In fact, I'm getting a couple messages out of the messages, amen, so uh, thank you for that. Um, But anyway, it's been good uh, hanging with the boys, I call them the boys. Uh, By the way, I like that when Pop said, sing it, boys. (laughs) That was wonderful, I appreciate that, that was good. That was good singing, I'll tell you that. But uh, anyway, tonight I want to try to finish up, Uh, we've been talking, well, we preached Tuesday night, I'm only reviewing, just to bring us up to where we are, preached on Tuesday night, as you remember. Well, remember, if you were here, preached on revival. And, and again, we ended off the message on revival that it's something we need to fight for. And then on Wednesday night, we, we talked about the fact we need to fight against the devil. Uh, we really do. You know, uh, we need to, to uh, be more spiritual so that we can discern the devil more often. Amen. There are times when depression will just come on you out of nowhere. You just feel gloom and doom. It's not always something in your mind. You know, uh, the devil's real. Amen. And by the way, if he can get us thinking he's not real, I mean, that'll drive you nuts in right there. Amen. Uh, and so we need to give him more credit, if you will. Uh, but we need to face and fight the devil, no doubt about it. Last night we preached on the fact we need to face and fight the world. And it's not the people of the world, it's what the people of the world uh, do by way of influencing and what they teach and what they kind of uh, push, if you will. Um, we, we've been talking about the enemies of the believer, uh, the devil, the, the world, and tonight we're going to focus on the flesh. Um, these are the enemies of the believer. In fact, uh, they're the enemies of the believer because every one of them is a source of temptation. Think about that. The devil tempts, the world tempts and our own flesh tempts. Amen. And so these are the enemies of uh, the believer. And and by the way, if I could wrap up a thought tonight uh, in reference to the devil, the world and the flesh, I would say it this way. The devil uses the world to appeal to our flesh. I think that sums it up. The devil uses the world to appeal to our flesh. But I want to say thank God that we that are saved, we have and can have the victory over all of these enemies. Amen. In fact, I'm not going to preach on it, but Ezekiel 14, 14, God said, I'm getting ready to judge the uh, the city of Jerusalem, the uh, uh, getting ready to judge Judah. And he said, it doesn't matter if Noah, Daniel, or Job were in it, they would only save their own selves by their righteousness. And this verse speaks of Noah, Daniel, and Job as righteous individuals. And one commentator said Noah was one who pictures somebody who won the victory over the flesh. You see, during the days of Noah, everybody was just simply giving in to the flesh. But Noah was a man who walked with God and he didn't give in to the flesh as the world was doing it. And somebody noted Daniel was in Babylon. Babylon's a picture of the world and yet he did not ba- let Babylon uh, dictate to him his uh, uh, beliefs system, if you will. He overcame the world, amen. The, Noah overcame the flesh and Daniel overcame uh, the Babylon, the world and Job, Job contended with the devil and Job won, amen, Job won. And so I thank God that we are on the victory side, not just there, but here, amen? We can have the victory. In fact, we should have the victory. Now, tonight I want to focus a little bit on the flesh. And by the way, your flesh hopefully won't like this. I'll tell you why, because my flesh don't like it. Amen. Hey, by the way, your flesh is not saved yet. That's why you and I still have issues with our flesh one day thank god our flesh will be saved amen i like that song saved 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 positionally conditionally and one day eternally amen no doubt about it but tonight i want to just give you a couple thoughts number one i want to talk to you about the flesh is an enemy that we must face We all have to face the fact that it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer, amen? And we need to face that fact. By the way, what do I mean by the term our flesh? If I could wrap it up in one simple statement, it would be this, our sinful nature that is it our sinful nature every one of us uh, were born with a sinful nature in fact David expressed it this way in Psalm 51 5 behold I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me see we are all born with a sinful nature in fact in Romans five, twelve, it says wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world we know that sin entered the world through Adam actually Eve but Adam gets uh, Adam gets the blame because he was the head if you will amen but by the that sin coming in the world. Verse number 19 of Romans 5 says, for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners. You and I are born in this world sinful beings. We never have to teach children how to be bad. We don't have to tell children "Uh, uh, yes, 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 yes. When, When you're raising children it's always no, 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 no. Why? Prone to wonder, Lord I see it. Amen? No doubt about it. We're all born with a sinful nature. If I could describe the sinful nature of every human being with Bible verses, it would be this, Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart. And by the way, when we're talking about your flesh and my flesh, we're not talking about the skin, we're talking about the heart. In fact, in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful. By the way, your heart is so deceitful, you can't trust it. I, I, I get leery of people to say, well, well will I know, you know, my preacher's going in this direction, which is a wrong direction sometimes. I'm not talking about this preacher. I'm talking about preachers in many churches that have gone in wrong direction. I, I left a church one time because of the direction they went in, and somebody came to visit me, and we got talking, and, 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 and I began to open up some scriptures about the situation. In fact, the wife actually said something, but she agreed with it, but the husband was almost like, you know, shut it down here. He was on staff there, so he can't agree with me. But he said this, well, I know my preacher's heart. Well, okay, if your preacher's heart, like my heart, my way, all of our hearts are the same. A fool will trust in his own heart. And I think you're more of a fool if you trust in somebody else's heart. Why? The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Well, we're only going in this direction because we want to win people. We're only gonna drop this and start this because we want to win. I know my preacher's heart. Look, we all have the kinds of hearts that would go in the wrong direction for the right reason. We gotta make sure that our hearts are in check with the word of God and the spirit of God. Amen. Let the spirit, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Amen. But anyway, the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. In fact, it says who can know it? But only God knows your heart. In fact, I only know so much about my heart, and I don't want to know any more. Amen. Amen? This describes our sinful nature. Matthew 15, 19, and 20, Jesus said it this way, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. Murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemy, these are the things, Jesus said, that defile a man. When we're talking about our flesh, we're talking about our sinful nature. We're talking about Ephesians 2, 3, the lust of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, and of the mind. We're talking about 1 John 2, 16, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. This is all the flesh. This is all the sinful nature, and we all have it. Your flesh is no better than mine, and your flesh is no worse than mine, amen? We're all in the same boat, amen? Galatians 5, 19 to 21 said the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and the such like. You understand the flesh, your flesh, and my flesh? Look, we don't need to find out how far it can go, Amen. We all have the potential. God help every one of us never to think, well, not me. May we all always say, there goes me, but by the grace of God. In fact, I believe one of the reasons, God, by the way, God's not going to use you because you're one of those, not me. I'll never. God may not use you because of that. God may use you because you say, Lord, if it's up to me, I'm in trouble. I'm weak. I need your help. Let me tell you who the Lord uses, the Lord uses people that know what they are. When Jesus said, one of you disciples are gonna betray me, you know what they all said? Is it I, Lord? Is it I, not me! In fact, Peter said it, but you know what happened? Is it I, amen? Because they all knew what they were, they all knew what they could be. By the way, that's why it's good to know what you are and it's good to know what you can be because you ought to be scared of you, afraid of you, to the point you say, I cannot afford to get away from God because I know what I am without him. Amen? Without him, I'd be nothing. Amen? I'd do nothing. In Romans, I, I, I want to say this. In Romans chapter 7, verses 14 to 24 is a great portion of scripture where Paul the apostle The great apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament. This man who walked with the Lord, who saw the Lord, who was instructed by the Lord, this man who done mighty great things for God and so on, this man said, I got a flesh in me that gives me so much trouble every day. In fact, he said this, if you will, in verse number 18 of Romans seven, he said, for I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Paul knew and Paul expressed, listen, the struggle is real. Let me tell you what we try to do. We try to act like we're the kind of Christians. That we don't struggle that much. No, we don't struggle like, Hold on a minute. Whatever happened to the same afflictions that are accomplished in you are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world? Whatever happened, there's no temptation such as is common to man. Whatever happened, every man is tempted. Whatever happened to that? You and I think we got to put on something to make ourselves something. Look, we are what we are, and we don't do what we don't do by the grace of God. Amen? Paul the apostle struggled with his flesh. He said, I want to do right, but I find this law, this sinful nature, it keeps me from doing the right that I want to do. Amen. In fact, Paul struggled so much. He says in verse number seven of Romans, or verse number 24 of Romans said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? If you haven't struggled like that with your flesh, you haven't tried to live for Jesus, amen. You try to live for the Lord Jesus Christ the right way, you're going upstream and that's not easy. It's easy to go with the flow, amen. It's a whole lot harder to go in the right direction for Jesus Christ, amen. Paul understood the struggle's real and we all need to understand the struggle's real, amen. In fact, I think we do, amen. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Now, I want to take off on that verse right there for a few moments. And I want to speak to you about what I'm going to call the, the believer's body. Paul talked about his body, and we understand what he's talking about. He's talking about his sinful nature. He's talking about his heart. He's talking about his mind. He's talking about his lusts, his desires for... He's talking about that. Now, I want you to look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 6... Because we have instructions here in First Corinthians chapter six, verses 19 and 20. The context of this is talking about fornication, is talking about immorality, if you will, among the believers. And there are some instructions I want us to note of about the believer's body. If you're saved tonight, you're a believer, amen? Because that's how you got saved. If you're a believer, your body belongs to the Lord, amen? I want to give you three thoughts. Number one, I want you to note this. Look with me, please, in verse number 19. In fact, let me read the verses first. Verse number 19, 1 Corinthians 6, verse number 19. What? Well, that's a question of amazement right there. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? For you've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Three things I want us to note about the believer's body tonight. Number one, the believer's body is indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. The believer's body is indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God. You know, there are times we need to stop and think. Think about that. How big is God? Remember that old song, How big is God? He's big enough to rule the mighty universe, yet small enough to live within my heart. The Holy Spirit, the, the third person of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy the moment you get saved, you get the Holy Spirit in your body. Your body becomes a temple of the living God. Think about that. If you and I would think and meditate on that, when we're, wherever we are, whenever, when we're alone, the spirit of God is there. You take him where you go, amen? These, I'll tell you, if these thoughts ever sunk in, perhaps we would live differently. Isn't it not amazing how we can fight in the car on the way to church? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm the only one that ever does that. By the way, sometimes our fight, our greatest fight is with ourselves. Amen. Can I get a witness on that? I remember hearing a story about this old man walking down the boardwalk, and he was pushing a coach. And there was a little kid in there, a little toddler, probably a terrible two. And this kid was acting crazy. And, and this old man was walking down saying, now, Adam, Relax. Adam, take it easy. Calm down, Adam. Somebody walked up to that old man and said, Adam, I'm so surprised how gentle and kind you are with this young man. He said, I am Adam. <laughs> I don't know if you understand what I'm saying here. He was talking to himself. Calm down. Realize. You see, he's about ready to strangle somebody. Our greatest fight is with ourselves. Amen. Amen. We can fight in the car, on the way to church. But the other Christian, the first one we see, things change. Hey, how you doing, brother? What's going on, sister? I'll talk to you later. Brothers and sisters, we are all hypocrites to a great degree. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I the only sinner here? It's, it's hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy. Amen. You know, once we realize somebody else is there, somebody else is watching, somebody else is no, wouldn't it be something if we would actually realize the Holy Spirit of God is there? If you're saved, he's there. Our problem is we're not spiritual enough to discern, he's there, amen? Think about that. The believer's body is, is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The day that we trust Christ, He comes in, in fact, he's the seal of that promise that we are going to heaven, amen. In fact, he is in us and he's gonna be in us according to Ephesians 4.30, till the day of our redemption. We'll never lose the Holy Spirit. Once you're saved, you're always saved, amen. That's the wonderful promise of the Holy Spirit of God. Number one, the believer's body is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Number two, now some of you are saying, boy, he's on number two already. Number three is gonna be a big one. But anyway, number two. The believer's body is indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. Number two, the the believer's body is purchased by the Son of God. In fact, we sang tonight. In fact, it says in verse number 19 at the end, and you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Verse number 20, you've been bought with a price. Oh, we sang that song tonight. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Amen. You're not redeemed with silver and gold from your vain conversation, but with the precious blood of the lamb. Amen. In fact, in Revelation chapter 5, they sing, worthy is the lamb that was slain who redeemed us to God by his blood out of every kindred, tongue, and nation. Amen. Amen. In fact, Paul the apostle told the, I believe it was the Ephesian elders to take care of the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood, amen? Your body is indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God because it is purchased by the blood of the Son of God. Jesus Christ the Son of God on the cross shed his precious blood to buy our bodies and now he owns our bodies. He owns our bodies, he gave us the Holy Spirit of God. here's the dowry, here's the down payment, I'm gonna go add on and I'm coming back for you. Amen? The believer's body is indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. The believer's body is purchased by the Son of God, but here's the main part of the message tonight that I want to focus on for the next three hours. (laughs) Some of you are saying you can focus on two and a half hours in the back if you want to afterwards. Number three, the believer's body is a purposed, is a body that is purposed to live for the glory of God. I have the the Spirit of God indwelling in me. I'm purchased by the Son of God, but I'm purposed now. I'm purposed now for the glory of God. Amen? Because he owns me, he should be able to control me. I heard one preacher, I read where it said that the Holy Spirit may reside in you, but the big question is, does he preside over you? When you own something, when you purchase something, it is now yours. Jesus said, cannot I do with mine own what I will? You go to a car lot and you pay the money and you buy a vehicle, you get the key. It's yours. You can get into it and you can drive it and you can take it wherever you want to go. The Holy Spirit of God is the one that's supposed to be running our lives, amen? And he'll always take us in paths that'll glorify the Father, amen? In fact, the end of the verse in verse number 20 says this. You're bought with a price, and then it's got the word therefore. Therefore, glorify God in your what? In your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Amen. Amen. This is the purpose of the believer. Oh, we need to be glorifying him. Matthew 5, 16, let your light. If I could say it this way, and I wouldn't be contradicting the scriptures, let your life. So shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Amen? In fact, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you eat or whether you drink, do all to the glory of God. Let me give you some thoughts tonight, some more thoughts tonight. As believers in reference to our bodies, we are responsible to commit our bodies to God. We are responsible to commit our bodies to God. Romans 12, verse number one, Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present, that you yield, that you give your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, amen? You and I as believers are responsible. I know he owns it, but there's a potential for me to run it. I know he owns it and I know he's in it but there's a potential for me to say no not your will mine be done. I am responsible to commit my body to God and for his glory every day all day long. Amen. That's the struggle of the believer by the way. Please him or gratify me. That's the struggle. Amen. And the struggle is real. Paul the Apostle said this about his body in Philippians 1 20 and 21. He said, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, because for me to live is Christ. Would to God that would be a purpose in every one of our hearts. Whether I live, whether I die, in my body, he's going to be glorified. Amen? Yes, sir. This is what we need to be doing. We are responsible to commit our bodies to God. But let me give you another one. And I have a hanky tonight, amen. Thanks to Brother Bob Meyer. Let me give you this other one. As believers, we are responsible not only commit our bodies to God, but we are responsible to control our bodies for God. We are responsible. I want you to turn with me, we're in the neighborhood. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter nine. We're responsible. We're responsible to commit our bodies to God. We are responsible to control our bodies for God. By the way, this is the battle. This is the struggle, amen? When I got saved, the spirit came in, but my flesh didn't leave. Galatians five seventeen: the spirit and the flesh are contrary one to another. This is where the battle begins, amen? And I am responsible to give in to God and not myself. And it's not easy, folks. I don't preach to you like it's easy to do. It's a str- Paul struggled. We all struggle, amen? And we fail, but thank God for that blood, amen? First Corinthians chapter 9, look at verse number 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all but one receiveth the prize, so run that you might obtain. And every man that striveth for the master is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corrupt old crown, but we, an incorruptible, I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight I, not as one that beateth air. By the way, let me just say this, the Olympics are going on. There are people of the world that are unsaved who discipline their bodies a lot better than I do they will say no to this, that, and the other thing because they have a desire to win something. Oh, would to God that type of desire and purpose would come over to us. You see, we don't have that big of a reason to do it. You're talking about only doing it for God. God. You say, why are you saying it that way, brother? Because that's probably the way we look at it. I don't know. Maybe maybe you're not like me, but that's how I see it, sadly. I I wish he was more to me than he is. And I pray he becomes more to me than than he is. You understand that? What the world does for success in whatever it is they're trying to do and what we won't do for success and what we're supposed to do. Amen. Verse number 24, uh, verse number 20, uh, uh, where we at? Verse number 26, I therefore shall so run not, not as a certain minute. Now verse number 27 where he talks about controlling his body. But I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul the apostle said, I don't let my body run my life. If it does, I'll be rejected. I'll be like rejected metal. I believe it's Jeremiah 630 is the, is the parallel to that. I want, by the way, the context of this is I become all things to all men that I might be all mean, win some. Amen? The essence of what he said is I beat my body, I, I, I bruise it, I, black, I give it a black eye. <laughs> I'm afraid I don't want to give myself a black eye. I don't want to be pampering myself. I mean, I, don't, I, I like to pamper myself. We have become so conditioned, haven't we? Growing up, many of you may have, I don't know, but I, I grew up poor. And we had that fan in the window in the summer. I lived in the city. When it got hot in the city, it heats up the pavements. It heats up the blacktop. At nighttime, there's no breeze, and that stays hot. It's a big radiator. You understand what I'm saying to you? As you get older and you can afford it, you get that air conditioning. Boy, you you condition yourself to the point you walk out and it could be, you know, 85 degrees. like, oh, it's so hot out here. We condition ourselves to pamper ourselves so much. Any little sacrifice is way too much anymore. You feel me? That's what I'm saying to you. Who was it? I heard somebody preaching recently. I think it might have been David Gibbs, one of his stories, where he just talked about, you know, Oh, yeah, somebody, it might, it might have been, uh, I don't know who it was, but anyway, they said they went somewhere. It might have been actually Brother Jeffcoat. I'm not sure. And they said they went to a different country, and the people said, I feel sorry for you concerning your prayer life. And they said, why? They said, you're from America. You have everything. You don't have any need to pray for anything. We have to pray for everything we need. You have everything. Wow. Maybe that's why we don't pray as much or as fervent as we ought to. We just got it. You know, that's what God told the nation of Israel. Man, you're going to go in there and you're going to have plenty. You're going to forget me. You're going to forget me. Amen. Our flesh is so pampered. Amen. I heard somebody recently, and it might have been Brother Jeff Coat again, because I've been listening to him all week long. Amen. Young people don't want to go to the mission field. In fact, I believe it was brother, uh, who's the brother with the revival fires? Carl, Dennis Carl. He said he can't get Bible college students to work for him. He said, because they all basically want to go get a good job. He said, going are the days where they said, hey, God's called me to missions or God called me to full-time service, and I'm just going to get involved in that. This is like the society we're living in, Amen. Listen, as believers, get this, we are responsible to control our bodies for God's glory. Listen to these verses, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 and 4. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. Sanctification means God's will for us to be set apart from as much sin as possible, set apart to him as close as possible, amen. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that that, that you should abstain from fornication, which is basically immorality, that every one of you should know how to possess him vessel in sanctification and honor. And I know some people believe that text to be a vessel being a wife. I personally think it's talking about the individual's bodied vessel. It's God's will for us to be a sanctified people and we all ought to know how to possess our bodies in sanctification and honor. Amen? If we would get a real heart of worship, I'm not talking about this is worship. I'm not talking about all that. You can raise your hands and not be worshiping. You can raise your voice and not be worshiped. But you can't worship if you're really worshiping in your heart. You can't be a hypocrite, I should say. You say, what is worship? Worship's giving something worth. Worthship. You say, what do you mean giving something worth? The reason why we don't worship God, or we don't... Uh, here, here's what it is. We don't recognize His greatness as we ought to. You see, worship begins with recognition. Recognizing His greatness in your heart. In your heart! And then worship goes to reaction. Because when you really recognize, you react with something to say about it. Truly praise God. But you also react with your life you show his worth by living for him. Amen. Brother Jeff Cope mentioned last night, Paul, the apostle saying, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. And that's the marks of persecution. They say that there were people that would mark their bodies in reference to their gods that they worshipped. Paul saying, I got marks for the God that I worship. Why? Because the marks I have are because I worshipped him to the point where people persecuted me for it. He said, leave me alone, I got marks. I'm a name brand Christian. I'm branded with the marks of Christ, amen? We are responsible, but let me just say this. Not only are we responsible, I wanna say this, and we have to understand this. We can only control our bodies by the help of God, amen? Amen? Listen to Paul's prayer for the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I prayed God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul the apostle prayed for those Thessalonians that God would sanctify them completely, soul, spirit, and body blameless till Jesus comes back. But watch what he says, the very next verse. Listen to this. Faithful is he that calleth you who will also do it. You see, the one who's calling us to live our lives in a holy way with our bodies is the one who's able to help us to do it. He'll never tell us to do something. He won't give us what we need to get it done. He don't frustrate his children like that. Hebrews 2.18. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to secure them that are tempted, to deliver and rescue and help and aid. Amen? Jude 21, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. Tis the grandest theme through the ages rung. Tis the grandest theme of a mortal tongue. Tis the grandest theme that the world are sung. Our God is able to deliver thee. Amen? He is able to deliver us. This we can only do by the help of God. Listen, this we can only do by the power of the Spirit of God. Romans 8, 13 says this. If you through the Spirit mortify the deeds of your body, you shall live. The Spirit of God in us is the power of God for us. By the Spirit of God's power, we can overcome this flesh. Amen? Amen? This I say then, Galatians 5, 16, walk in the spirit and you'll uh, not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Why? A spirit-filled man has the strength to, by the grace of God. Say no. Amen? Or say yes. Whatever it might be. You see, Galatians 5 speaks about the fruit of the spirit. One of the parts of the fruit of the spirit would be what? Temperance. You know what temperance is, right? I know you're looking at me saying, yeah, you could use some of that. I know. Don't bother me this week, though. The cooking's been good. <laughs> but you understand the truth is, through the Spirit, the fruit of being Spirit-filled is temperance. I can have self-control because of the power of God and the power of the Spirit of God in my life. Amen? In fact, that's the only way I can. The believer's body is indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. It's purchased by the Son of God. It's purpose to glorify God. Let me say this also. As believers, if we are not committing and controlling our bodies, and by the way, I think it's a daily activity, amen? If we are not committing and controlling our bodies the way that we ought to, then there's something else we need to be doing with our bodies, and that is we need to be cleansing our bodies for God. You say, where do you get that from? I'm glad you asked. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 to 7, 1. Be not unequally together with unbelievers as a matter of some is. He goes on to give some good sensible reasons why not to. And then he says, look, come out from among, them, be separate. Touch not the unclean thing. I'll receive you and I'll be a father unto you. You'll be my sons and my daughters. That don't mean come to get, come back and you'll get saved. It means come back and I can actually treat you the way a father wants to treat somebody. It's like the prodigal's father was his father, wanted to do everything for him, couldn't do it when he was away, had to come back to get it done, Amen. 2 Corinthians 7, 1, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Having the promise that if we get out of what we're in and go back to God, he'll renew his blessings on us, amen? But in order to come back, we got we to cleanse ourselves, amen? We got to get rid of the things that are dirty and defiling us, amen? That's what we have to do. And by the way, there's another verse that parallels that, and that's James 4 8. Draw nigh to God, and He'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your heart, you double minded. You see, when you come back to God, stop doing the fleshly things you're doing. And if you aren't doing a lot of fleshly, stop doing the spiritual things you're doing that are so sinful. The flesh and the spirit, the prodigal and his brother. The prodigal might have needed to be cleansed in his flesh because of what he was doing, but the prodigal's brother had dirty spirit. Some of us ain't doing the physical things. If you were acting out the mental things, you'd probably be worse. Amen. Bitterness, envy, jealousy, anger, hatred, questioning God, blaming God, all kinds of things, filthy on the inside, but I'm not doing a lot of things outwardly. Amen. It's all the flesh, inside and out. Let me conclude. I usually get a little amen on the conclusion part, but I want to conclude with two, two thoughts, an encouragement. Fighting our flesh on a daily basis is not easy. I have the same stuff you have. I'm starting to learn that. I often would think about what this brother or this brother or this brother. I don't care who the brother is. If I know me, I know them. In fact, some of them actually show us who they are. They sit at the top of thousands of people and then it comes out who they really are. You say, wow, he's one of us. Yeah, he's one of us, amen. That helps you to realize, man, we're all in the same boat. And it is a struggle. Fighting our flesh on a daily basis is not easy. But let me say, thank God, it's not forever. It's not forever. Paul the Apostle, as I mentioned, cried out, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver. But he also said in Philippians 3, 20 and 21, for our conversation, our citizenship is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. That same writer said in Titus chapter two, verse number 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus. The blessed hope is Jesus is coming again and we won't have to fight this body no more. Amen? If I don't see the upper taker and I have to, well, I won't see the up undertaker, but if the undertaker has to deal with me, I still am, I'm gonna, this robe of flesh, I'll drop and rise and seize the everlasting prize. Amen? What a day that will be! First John three two, beloved, now are we the sons of God? And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. What we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. The psalmist said in Psalm seventeen fifteen, "As for me, I will behold Thy face in righteousness; I shall be satisfied when I awake with Thy likeness." We'll never be satisfied in our flesh in this life. We can't be. We can't be. But over there, over there, Amen we're all going to be satisfied with what Jesus gives us. Amen? That's the encouraging conclusion, but let me give you the challenging conclusion. 2 Corinthians 5.10. Some of you might say, well, brother, why should I be concerned about committing and controlling my body as a believer? Well, here's a good reason. 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one of us, may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. One day we're all going to stand before the Lord. Don't get this judgment seat of Christ confused with the great white throne judgment. Revelation 20 speaks of a great white throne judgment where those that are lost, whose names are not found written in the Lamb's book of life, will be cast in a lake of fire forever. If you're lost and you're not saved you got to be more concerned about that great white throne. Tonight be a nice night, night, nice night to get saved and get your name in that book. You don't need to be gone to the eternal lake of fire, amen? But if you're saved, you don't have to worry about that. All we have to worry about is standing before Jesus and having him say, well, okay, what have you done with what I've given you? Since the Spirit of God took over your life, and you know, what have you allowed him to do through you? By and by, when I look on his face, by and by, when I look on his face, I'll wish I had given him more, more, so much more, more of my love than I ever gave before, by and by. Many, I believe, the Bible says, are going to be ashamed at his coming. I think it'll be almost like what the nation of Israel is going to do when they see him. They're going to mourn for him because they're going to realize what he did for them as a nation. And I believe one day when the realization hits us and we're face-to-face with Jesus Christ, I guarantee you our song will be, I wish, I had given him more. My prayer tonight is God would help each other. We're going to fail. We cannot be perfect. We're going to fail, and it's all because of our flesh. Paul admitted to it. But thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. We can get forgiveness, and by the Spirit of God, and by the grace of God, we can keep on moving on for Jesus Christ. Amen. Just because you fail doesn't mean you need to throw it in. Listen, failure's not final. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. The Lord upholds him with his hands. Amen. The righteous fall seven times but rise up again because of the grace of God. Amen. David said this in reference to God's gentleness. He said, thy gentleness hath made me great. If it wasn't for God's gentleness, David would have never got to where he got to. And if it wasn't for God's gentleness in our life, we'd have never made it this far. Amen. And we got to continue to look to him for for his help and his grace and mercy to keep on going on. Amen. Would you pray, pray with me? Father, thank you for the word tonight. Thank you for your spirit tonight. Thank you for the sword of the spirit, the word of God, which the spirit of God, I pray, will take and work in every one of our hearts tonight. Father, help us as believers to commit or maybe recommit our bodies to you. Help us to, by your Spirit's help and by the help of Jesus Christ, our great high priest, who lives, ever lives for us, to get this body under his control and out of our own. Oh, if there's anybody that's living in sin tonight as a believer, not not falling in it, not slipping in it, but living in it, wallowing in it, may tonight they realize they need to clean themselves and get up out of that pig pan and get back to thee. Your precious blood will cleanse them and wash them and make them clean. Help us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Bow our heads. Close our eyes. Our bodies, they're not ours. They're his. Sam in your heart tonight. Have you committed your body to Him? Are you living to glorify God in your body? If you believe you you are, that you're doing your dead level best to glorify God with your body, would you just slip your hand up right now and say, yeah, I believe I am. I'm not perfect. Maybe you couldn't raise your hand tonight and say, well, I couldn't raise my hand in all honesty. And right now I'm asking God to forgive me and help me from today on to live to glorify him with my body. Here's my hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hands all over. God bless you. Father, thank you for that that challenge. Oftentimes, we, we lose sight of that principle. Help us, as we've been reminded, to daily Consecrate ourselves to you. Commit ourselves to you. To live in these bodies in a way that would glorify you. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.